Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, guess who's coming to Christmas dinner? King Charles, Fergie and a Royal Olive Branch. It's been quite a dramatic year for the royal family, not least with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. A few moments ago, Buckingham Palace announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Prince Andrew's fall from grace continued. Prince Andrew and Virginia Dufresne, the woman who'd accused him of sexual assault, have reached an out-of-court settlement in a civil case filed in New York. And the strains with Harry and Meghan intensified. When the stakes were this high, doesn't it make more sense to hear our story from us? It's been really sad for 15 years not to spend Christmas with the girls. And why is that? Um, well, because it's a royal family occasion and I'm divorced from the royal family. But in the Christmas spirit, King Charles is lifting the 30-year-old invite ban to dinner for Duchess-in-Exile Sarah Ferguson. I'm Fiona Sheen, and today's episode looks back on Fergie's relationship with the royals, from the toe-sucking scandal to standing by her ex. Joining me is Sunday Independent columnist Sarah Cadden. So Sarah, Sarah Ferguson is back in with the firm. Who will be sitting around the Christmas dinner table? Well, Harry and Meghan will not. But back in the fold this year seems to be Sarah Ferguson, ex-wife of Prince Andrew. And um, she's invited for the first time since they separated in 1992. She's always hovered around the, the, the kind of edges of the circle. She's continued to, she continued until oh, about 16 years ago to, to share a home with Prince Andrew. And she's always been in and out of their lives. She was at Harry and Meghan's wedding. She's quite, you would call her a prominent part of the family, but never to Sandringham for Christmas, which is a very formal invitation, a real kind of sign that you are one of the the inner circle. And she's back. Why do we believe she was never invited up until now? Well, apparently... Prince Philip, who had absolutely loved her um, in, while she was married to Andrew because she was that very, and is that very kind of jolly hockey sticks, plucky, gutsy, loved the outdoors, sports, learned to fly a helicopter in a plane, which apparently Prince Philip loved. But when, uh, after her separation from Prince Andrew, she was photographed um, having her toes sucked by financial advisor John Bryan, as he's always called, um, that was it. Philip was finished with her. And while apparently she did go in and out of big family gatherings, it was never when when Philip was there. So there was a there was a, a Christmas that she was around, 
but he he wasn't well and he he came later and she was gone by that time. I think there were pictures in the paper of her with her hand luggage heading off to the airport. So Phil the Greek was a bit like Santa Claus. He had a naughty or a nice list and you did not transfer between between the two. Now it's it's a it's obviously a sad occasion. It's the Queen passing away, Charles being elevated to the, to the throne. As you say, relations with with Harry and Meghan are are bound to get worse uh, in in the in the new year with this Netflix documentary. So is this all about PR? Is it about showing? Look, we're not horrible to all in laws who marry into this family. I would think there's a massive amount of of that in it, you know, that it's quite strategic. And also it's been made absolutely plain by King Charles that there's no way back in for Andrew into public life. But this is a bit of an olive branch to him and to Fergie and to their daughters, whom Charles has, you know, he's given them certain roles that really show he considers them to be important members of the family and trusted members of the family. So, you know, he's showing that he can be compassionate, warm, forgiving, and it also it, it costs them nothing. Yeah, it, it, it's been pitched as part of Charles's faith and his spiritual belief in, in the principle of forgiveness. Yeah, and, you know, maybe Fergie embarrassed them, but, you know, there was never anything vindictive about her. She always spoke very well of her in-laws. She's always been extremely complimentary of her ex-husband. Knowing him as I know him, and he's one of the greatest men I've ever met in my life, and my best friend, and great father to my children, I just thought, I don't understand in this day and age how people can make salacious lies up. And so, you know, they've nothing to lose by bringing her back, whereas the the Harry and Meghan situation is that, you know, this kind of bolsters that idea that, that Harry and Meghan are out to get them, and therefore, why would you? you know, try to bring them in. So tell us what's to come then in the new year. What are we expecting from Harry and Meghan? Well, there's the Netflix documentary starts, you know, this week. No one sees what's happening behind closed doors. I had to do everything I could to protect my family. I mean, the most amazing thing about the documentary is that it's six hours long what they can possibly find to talk about for six hours. Beggar's belief. But There's a lot of complaining about the royal family, I suppose. How much in. complaining can people really listen to? But in the new year, there's his book, Spare. And I think, you know, you can't, you, there have been kind of uh, royal watchers lately have spoken about how Harry's biggest fear was always that he'd end up like his uncle Andrew, who was like the very definition of the spare kind of no kind of purpose in life, spoilt, indulgent and constantly moving down the pecking order as um, Charles had children. And now as William has had children, Harry has moved down uh, in, in, in line to the throne. And so he apparently always feared this terrible irrelevance. So it is sort of, you know, pointed that it's Andrew that Charles is seeming to forgive a little here. Tell us about Sarah Ferguson. You've met her. What's she like? It must be, maybe could be 15 years ago. Did she have a book or a kid's book or something like that? She's exactly what you'd expect. She is sort of very jolly, you know, uh, chatty, you know, fun kind of puts a very cheerful, you know, face on things and uh, incredibly at every turn 
had good things to say about her ex-in-laws. Really, no matter what happened, uh, you know, she was on that team. It's been really sad for 15 years not to spend Christmas with the girls. I don't get to spend time with them, but I'm glad because I, I, I give the Queen a lovely gift of my girls. And I think, you know, I always think it's funny the way she was has always been called Fergie by people, which seems a sort of dismissive kind of, you know, it's not as elegant or respectful as Diana was kind of regarded. But it is that real posh girl thing of, you know, my name's Millicent, but everybody calls me Minty. And, you know, to ordinary people, that sounds a bit infantile, but it's really a real signifier of being one of them, you know, that you, you they've all got their nicknames and they've all got their little code that signifies, you know, I'm part of, I'm part of the elite. So she wasn't she, an aristocrat, but her father, Major Ronald Ferguson, was Prince Philip's uh, polo manager and then Charles's, which would be an incredibly trusted, nearly an intimate role to have and really would have set her up as. It was actually Diana who was responsible for Fergie uh, and Andrew getting together. Yeah, they had, as these things go, they'd known each other growing up. Their mothers had gone to the same school. Um, they were fourth cousins, you know, all that kind of intermingling of, of you know, a certain class of people. And she um, invited uh, Sarah Ferguson to a dinner with the royal family. And she had met Andrew over the years, but they seemed to have hit it off then. And it, it went from there. Could I ask you then, Miss <laughs> Could I ask you then, Miss Ferguson? Do you remember what he said? Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm not telling you. <laughs> Did he go down on one knee in the approved fashion? No, both. <laughs> <laughs> that I will tell you both. Yes, both. And their wedding, Andrew and and Sarah Ferguson's wedding, really was well. It really was the Harry and Meghan <laughs> wedding of that decade because Charles and Diana's wedding had been so huge, and people really were. There was an appetite there for another one, and you know she didn't have Diana's elegance or poise, but she was likable. And very, you know, she seemed very enthusiastic and you know, their their kiss on the balcony was a little bit more, you know, passionate maybe, you know, than Charles and Diana's had been. And out into the sunshine they stepped to face those crowds for the first time as the Duke and Duchess of York. To the enthusiastic and ever hopeful chanting of Kiss the Bride. And a bit again a parallel with Harry and Meghan, there was a great, I think they fostered a great sense of optimism about where the royal family was going. But then, of course, both marriages crashed and burned. Yeah, and in in Sarah Ferguson's case, we had two girls born, Beatrice and, and Eugenie, who are best known now for their their, their being fans of extravagant uh, headgear uh, and <laughs> their choice of hats at, at, at family weddings. But, I mean, there, there was a major controversy though around Sarah Ferguson as, you, as you've mentioned the, the toe sucking incident there's also been other controversies around her over the years cash for access and so on a British tabloid newspaper has released this video of the Duchess of York apparently plotting to sell access to her ex-husband Prince Andrew the deal was caught on tape with an undercover camera yeah she was kind of the, the, the subject of, of a, a sting as were by the fake shake um, and in the UK, who and and there was a lot of there was an inquiry into whether how ethical it was that she really was set up 
in a situation where she offered access to Prince Andrew for cash. And, you know, ethically, there was a suggestion that as a journalist, they should have approached her first and asked, are you in the business of offering access to Prince Andrew for cash? Instead, it was like a very, very humiliating um, episode for her. It looked a bit tawdry. There's a habit now for people who watch The Crown to to be simultaneously Googling to see did that actually happen? And the the toe-sucking incident, it's kind of referenced, but without great gory detail. Tell us the great gory detail. Well, they were separated at the time and she was on holidays and the the tabloids... There was these photographs of it was, you know, very recognisably Sarah Ferguson's flame red hair lying back in a sun lounger and this bald man sucking her toes. I I, I was a teenager at the time. I remember it was absolutely horrible. But, you know, it was so it was like a sex scandal of sorts, but it was also sort of um, really mortifying and probably that was Prince Philip's issue with her, the, um, the the cringeworthiness of it, because, you know, that there had been allegations over the years that the reason the marriage had ended was d- d- due to infidelities. I don't know on which side or both sides or whatever, but that that wasn't necessarily a, a real deal breaker. But showing up the family was an absolute deal breaker. I mean, one of the lowest moments I felt for you, just looking at it, from the outside was when the toe-sucking pictures appeared all over the front page yeah. of the Daily Mirror. Um, it was such an intrusive picture, yeah. and yet it told its own story. Um, when you saw that front page, what went through your mind? Uh, well, I, um, I remember seeing it and just going, oh no, Sarah. And that's when Carolyn, my best friend in the world, do you remember Carolyn? Mm-hmm. She said to me, now you need help, Sarah. Um, and that was the end of her, really, because, you know, it wasn't their kind of thing, really. Tell us now, Sarah Ferguson, these days, she has overcome not what ordinary people would regard as adversity, but in, in terms of celebrity and, and royalty, she's had financial difficulties. She's had to go off and start new careers and so on. Yeah, and she's kind of, you know, over the years, she worked with Weight Watchers for years, which, you know, to give her some credit here, she took a lot of flack. You know, she was called the Duchess of Pork for a while. She was, you know, very much fun poked at her for her weight and her looks and uh, her dress sense. And, you know, she became an ambassador for Weight Watchers. She also wrote some children's books about Budgie the helicopter, what with her having the helicopter license and all. (laughs) And um, seems to do a lot of work for charities and is very interested in children's literacy and so on. And, you know, her, her two children would also say that she was a fantastic mother and that they were great parents to them. And she has sort of, um, it, she's made a, quite a popularity for herself in America, where I think she's kind of seen as a, an accessible royal. And, uh, you know, she's sort of plucky again. You know, she's always soldiered on um, no matter what kind of sticks and stones were were thrown at her. Yeah, um, the fat shaming was really in an era before fat shaming was, was 
you know, as we would refer to it now. I mean, she was often treated rather appallingly and invariably compared to, to Diana and, and yeah. physique and looks-wise. And when she was first married to Andrew, you know, they, they were great pals, Diana and and Sarah, and they, um, you know, seemed to be great allies to each other, which probably the royals thought was a great thing to start with because Diana was fragile enough and they, they you know, as outsiders, they were going to need, you know, an ally. But there was a rivalry there too in that, you know, Fergie had that kind of great at outdoor sports and loved shooting and getting mucky and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, great at skiing, which Diana was also in a kind of, you know, had a balletic kind of ability for, but she didn't like the the, the kind of more rough and tumble stuff. But Fergie was up for everything. And that did cause a bit of friction between the two of them. And there was a rivalry there. Um, and I suppose when, when Fergie was being you know, laughed at for her weight and her body, even her body shape, not even her her weight. It was very much in contrast with Diana, who, you know, we now know had an eating disorder for years, but, you know, was very much known for her elegance and her clothes and how she could wear them and how she was just terribly beautiful. Um, And Fergie, you know, kind of came up short and must have felt that. And the two fell out quite badly um, in the 1990s. Um, I think Sarah Ferguson has said that when she wrote her autobiography, she mentioned borrowing shoes from Diana and mentioned getting warts from the shoes. And apparently Diana wasn't best pleased with this. And they hadn't spoken for a year when when Diana died. Oh, dear. Um, Throughout more recent years uh, Prince Andrew has very much fallen from grace uh, very close friends of the sex, uh, sex offender Jeffrey Epstein and it would be to some extent a stretch to say that that, um, uh, as it were we were close friends I mean, we were friends because of other people um, and I had a lot of opportunity to um, uh, go to the United States um, but I didn't have much time with him. I suppose I saw him once or twice a year, perhaps maybe maximum of three times a year. He's settled his own uh, sexual abuse uh, claims against him. Sarah Ferguson has stood by him through all that. Very much so. Very vocally, you know, has never wavered in her support for him. And part of how he paid off his settlement to uh, Virginia Dufresne was that he sold his ski chalet in Verbier, which he owned together with Sarah Ferguson. And yes, she has been absolutely an ally and was um, went to Harry and Meghan's wedding and uh, was also, you know, very just photographed with him quite regularly around the time of the Queen's death. So she has been rock solid with him. Was it hurt, your first reaction or anger? Uh, total fury. Total yes, fury. Yes, because because we are such a family unit, so I know what it's like to, 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 to have this about you and not be able to say, you know, I never did it, I didn't do that, I didn't do this. Back off. We, we are a really solid, beautiful family. And, you know, it's, you know, at the start you were saying how much of this is PR. It is good, has always been good for them both and their brand, despite being divorced that they've always presented this very united front. And again, in contrast with the Warring Waleses. 
What about her relationship with the Queen over the years? She seems to always speak a great admiration of her. Yes, and always kind of, you know, always managed to mention that they remained close, that the Queen would invite her for dinner and, you know, that they spoke to each other and how much she loved her. And, you know, they had a great, very warm relationship, uh, you know, devastated when the Queen died. And I think with Andrew is now the, uh, the, the guardian of the royal corgis. Um, the Queen's most beloved children. The Queen's <laughs> The ones who beloved. caused her the least amount of hassle. Yes. Whether that's because nobody else wanted them, I don't know. The Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, has posted the first photos of Queen Elizabeth II's beloved corgis since her funeral. Sandy and Mick appear to be adapting to their new life with the former wife of the late monarch's son, Andrew, Fergie and the Queen were reportedly on good terms, meeting regularly to walk their dogs together. But so clearly trusted that, I mean, anybody who is a, a dog owner or a dog lover, if you're going to trust somebody to, to mind your dogs after you're, you're, you're passing, you, you, you really do like them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she maybe this is also Charles's way of saying there is a reward for loyalty despite divorce, despite everything, despite embarrassing us with your toe sucking. You know, she has been steadfast. And it is another little message to Harry and Meghan that there, for loyalty, there is reward. And my thanks to Sunday Independent columnist Sarah Cadden for joining me today. I'm Fiona Chain, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Siobhan McGuire, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from Sky News Australia, the Oprah Winfrey Network, ITV News, ITN, Lorraine on ITV, Piers Tonight on CNN, video footage from the News of the World, 60 Minutes Australia and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. 